Let's bring it here into the studio with our panel of fantastic political reporters, CNN's Jeff Zeleny, The Washington Post's Leanne Caldwell, and Ramesh Bonoru of The National Review. Hello, everybody. First Hello. Hello. Happy inside New politics Year. of the new year of 2024. Here we go. Uh, Jeff Zelina, you've been out in Iowa a lot. What do you make of the fact that, uh, just kind of as we just laid out, the two who are kind of right under Donald Trump are still mostly going after each other and not the guy who's so far ahead? Because the guy who's so far ahead has a core base of supporters, and no TV ad or no new argument is going to pry most of those supporters away. But the available voters are the people who have made the decision to move on from Trump. They believe it's a good idea to have a new face of the Republican Party. And those are largely people who are either uh, still open-minded, but looking at Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. So this race for second place is actually really fascinating. Mm -hmm. It has so many layers to it. Uh, a couple things that I'm watching um, as we head out to back to Iowa uh, later this week, tomorrow, in fact, uh, Nikki Haley, she's starting off much later in terms of organization and ground game. But uh, a couple voters I was texting with over the holidays, they are still trying to decide between Haley or DeSantis. That's what these commercials are designed to do, mentioning China, mentioning this or, um, or that. So that's why Trump is sort of getting a free pass, if you will. So it's sort of been this just this snowball effect of, Trump is in a race all to himself, and Haley and DeSantis are in this fight for second place, but uh, you know they're not able to affect the uh, probable uh, frontrunner. And as we just heard from Steve, and we've been talking about uh, every day on this show, Nikki Haley is playing, I mean, not that Ron DeSantis isn't playing in New Hampshire, but Nikki Haley sees a much better path for herself in New Hampshire than she does in Iowa, which means that Iowa is even more important for Ron DeSantis. I don't want to say Iowa or bust, but it's pretty close for DeSantis. I want you to listen to what one of his final arguments, closing arguments is uh, on, ad, on TV in an ad. They've corrupted our institutions, indoctrinated our kids, opened our border, weaponized government against us, and destroyed the American dream. Ron DeSantis is the only candidate who's defeated them. I mean, that could very well be a Donald Trump ad. The messages are identical. Well, and it's not an accident, right? I mean, DeSantis's calculation throughout has been that there's a lot that Republican voters like about Donald Trump, but there might be a fraction of them who like those things but don't want to be led by him personally anymore. That's been his entire strategy, and he has maintained, you know, for all the other problems of his campaign, a fair amount of discipline in pursuing that strategy. The problem is, so far, the evidence that it's working is pretty thin. This is not the place that DeSantis wanted to be at this stage of the campaign. Absolutely right. My colleagues in the Washington Post had a really fascinating story today about the rise of Donald Trump over the past year um, and how he's the clear front runner. And one of the most fascinating things that was in that story is all the internal polling that has been done with other candidates and outside groups and focus groups about how nothing sticks against Donald Trump, that it was impossible to move uh, any Trump supporters away from him to the point that Club for Growth, who's been anti-Trump, is not going to uh, challenge him uh, because they have been unable to find an argument 
to do so. And so what DeSantis and Haley are doing in this race for second place is they're also splitting the non-Trump voters, which is going to make it very difficult for either one of them to ever topple the front runner. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it is so true that you are seeing, I mean, not a total consolidation, but even here in Washington, Politico has a, a story out today about uh, the U.S. Congress and Republicans in Congress saying its leader has no relationship with the former president, but Senate Republicans are peeling off to endorse him on the eve of the Iowa caucuses. A handful have, uh, sure, and the ones who haven't are saying that they're likely to support him or they will support him if he's the nominee and put Mitch McConnell in that category. We've known for a long time that, uh, that Leader McConnell would have preferred virtually any other Republican but Trump. But on the verge of uh, if he becomes the nominee, of course they're going to get behind him. Um, one thing that we'll also be talking about a lot for the rest of the year is the fight for control of the Senate. And Republicans can smell a majority in the Senate. It is so close. So that's why they're not getting uh, crossways with Donald Trump. But their chances of getting the Senate are probably a little bit lower with Trump as the nominee. You know, one of the interesting things going on here is that Trump in the nomination contest gets the benefit both of being the establishment candidate and of being the populist insurgent. And that's one of the reasons it's so hard to overcome him. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty tough to do. But you're right. I never thought of it that way. Um, Another thing that really uh, caught our attention is something that is brewing inside Donald Trump's orbit. And that is, uh, I believe this was after some reporting, including by our Kristen Holmes, about Trump just kind of waxing about who his VP pick would be, assuming that he is the nominee, and mentioning Nikki Haley's name. And the pushback from people extremely close to him, including Donald Trump Jr. and Steve Bannon going after Nikki Haley. Well, there's Donald Trump Jr., his tweet, uh, December 23rd. Let me be clear. We are not letting the swamp keep the status quo, and this Hail Mary isn't happening. Uh, then he said that he was going to talk live about it. Listen to what Steve Bannon said on a podcast about this. One of the fights we're going to have, a big fight, will take place in the spring, will be they're going to try to force Nikki on the ticket. To say Trump needs a woman, Nikki on the ticket, she balances things. If Nikki Haley is in this administration in any capacity, it will fail. Now, I just want to be clear. She says, I'm not playing for second. She is very much still a candidate for president. It doesn't mean that these other conversations are not happening. What do you make of this pushback? Look, I think they're trying to diminish her, uh, first and foremost, as a serious presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. So it's one way of doing that. The pushback is pretty extraordinary because she was one of the few who navigated the very uh, complicated obstacle, of course, of leaving the Trump administration. Really, um, she probably emerged stronger than she arrived, which most of his nominees did not. Some were indicted. Others were, um, you know, sort of down on their luck, et cetera. So I think that... Uh, it's a little surprising, but really this is pushback against people who are supporting Nikki Haley, mm -hmm. the Wall Street donors, the, the Koch network, et cetera. So the people who she's now being led by and associated with, that's who Steve Bannon is talking about, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. She does not represent the MAGA wing of the Republican Party, and that would go against a little bit what Trump says that he is for, but, or says what his, what he is, but, um, Nikki Haley has effectively run as kind of a more old school, traditional Republican candidate in many instances. And so I don't know if Steve Bannon has his pulse on the uh, on the party as much as far as to say that it, it yeah. would be unsuccessful 
if she was the nominee? Because I think that he, she would actually maybe bring in a lot of independent no, it's, voters. It's personal. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing that makes Haley possible as a Veep nominee is that she has basically refrained from sharply attacking Trump mm -hmm. during this contest, while at the same time carving out an independent group of voters who like her but don't always like Trump. The problem is, for these people who want to veto her, is if it gets to a point where it looks as though Trump, Trump has the nomination and putting Haley on the ticket makes him a stronger candidate in a general election, what is Steve Bannon going to do about yeah. it? Is Bannon going to say, I'm not going to support Trump at that point? No. This feels like a bluff. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting that this is the time that they're deciding to do this. Everybody stand by. Before we go to break, we want to make sure that you know that before our debate next week that we talked about at the top of the show, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are going to take questions directly from Iowa voters in back-to-back -to -back town halls. The CNN Republican presidential town halls will be moderated by Caitlin Collins and Aaron Burnett, and they will be this Thursday starting at 9 p.m. Eastern.